Alright legends, welcome back dude to yet another episode of Get Around Me. What a time it is to be alive truly, okay? This week I'd like to start with a more somber tone than weeks gone by. One of our own has fallen. A comrade of Get Around Me is down. Of course, I am talking about my Lenovo laptop, really the engine of this whole thing. You know, the real workhorse that provides the restless JPEG each and every week to the 17 people on YouTube who appear to enjoy it. Unfortunately, the Lenovo has gone down. I have no plans to really fix it or pursue a new laptop. I've just said a couple of Hail Marys each night before going to bed, so we'll see how that goes. Uh, But the reason I bring this up is last week's pod did not make it to YouTube, nor was I able to produce a 57-second snippet of the podcast that would eventually perform poorly on TikTok. So I apologize to those who enjoy the Restless JPEG. Uh, You are a loyal bunch and you mean the world to me, okay? Even when you turn on me, as some of you have in the past. But yeah, I'm not a religious man, but as when it comes to technology, I am, which is probably a paradox or an oxymoron or another word that means something. And, you know, a lot of people will take their laptop to JB Hi-Fi. A lot of people will just buy a more reputable brand than a Lenovo, not me, okay? I just I just give a, give a little thumbs up to the great man upstairs and hope this thing fixes itself by itself. So here's hoping uh, the MP4 version of this podcast is back on its feet ASAP and we can all enjoy you know the full breadth of multimedia that any podcast should uh, should bring to the table. Also, I'd like to give my tour a quick plug. It's coming up in two weeks, Melbourne Comedy Festival, March 29 to April 9. Come along, 11 shows, guys, 11 shows. So come on down, it's going to be so fun, brand new show, March 29 to April 9, Melbourne Comedy Festival. Then I'm doing Perth, April 15, Brisbane, April 20, Newcastle, April 27, Canberra, April 29, Adelaide, May 6, Wollongong May 13 and Sydney biggest show of my life at the comedy store May 18 come on down dude all those tickets via the link in my Instagram bio and something a bit different this week I'm actually gonna put a snippet of my stand-up in the middle of the podcast somewhere I've been listening to Pete Holmes podcast quite a bit and he does that as like a little bit of an advertisement for the shows itself and I thought what a sensational idea instead of me just saying the dates, hoping that maybe the date of May 18 might take your fancy, that potentially you're free, potentially that's a day you've reserved in your own calendar for experiencing live stand-up comedy, which would marry up with the date I'm doing some live stand-up in your area, you know? Instead of just repeating the dates ad nauseum, I thought, let me put an audio billboard of said stand-up comedy in the podcast. Plus, you know, it's good stuff, bit of free content there as well. So there'll be some stand-up popping up in this thing somewhere. I mean, well, I've got to fix the Lenovo, but pending Lenovo, okay? If you are hearing this now, the Lenovo lives. I know what you're thinking. Is the Lenovo the, the new Hyundai hatchback coming out this year? No, 
It's about it's a fifth tier brand of laptops, guys, and they're okay if you give them a chance, sort of. They're kind of like do- the donkey of laptops, where you can sort of kick them and no one gives a fuck. So, lots happening here at Get Around Me HQ, which many people have pointed out is in fact my bedroom. But nevertheless, I'd like to crack into this episode. Firstly, off the back of learning what Tradwives is uh, last week or the week before, a new term for dating relationships has been brought to my attention, okay? As someone who's dating myself, I'm a single man, I'm out there, I'm in the mix. I said I was in the mix on stage the other night and then I riffed, and I think this is true, when people say they're in the mix, it just means I am actively failing at something, <laughs> which I think is harsh but fair, okay? But I've learned gaslighting, ghosting, now trad wives, because in 2023, guys, it's not enough to be rejected by the partner of your choice. Uh, you have to be, you have to know specifically how and why you were rejected, Okay. There's no more just taking it on the chin. In 2023, we get out the whiteboard and we find out exactly what happened and how you could take that personally and have it do even more damage to your psyche before you meet the next partner on your dating experience. So that's what we're here to do. A new one has come to light. This one is exciting and it's kind of fun. It's called breadcrumbing. Okay. Now, breadcrumbing is when you are texting someone on social media, messaging them, commenting on their posts, sort of sort of eliciting interest in them, but you never actually really meet up with them or sort of take things further. It's kind of it's basically leading someone on. Okay. Now I thought breadcrumbing was maybe one of the funnest terms I've ever come across. And I mean that. It, it made me think of the gingerbread man from Shrek. I don't know why. Okay. But it turns out when I Googled what is breadcrumbing, all the websites were like healthline.com and like psychology today. So firstly, if there's any scholars out there that are actually spending their time on breadcrumbing as, as sort of a facet or God forbid, a focus of their studies, potentially using taxpayer money, Uh, to sort of carry out these experiments on people getting mugged off, please stop wasting your time. Uh, And secondly, I don't know. This is just another form of getting mugged off, as all these terms are. It's very exciting. It's Apparently, it's when people are texting you and they're they're warm and then they're cold, very confusing behavior, uh, you know, threatening to meet up with you, making plans, never following through. Uh, if that's breadcrumbing, I think there's a fair few girls on Sydney's Northern Beaches who might actually be sponsored by Baker's Delight because that's pretty much the playbook 101 of Manly's Finest Women. So nothing new here. I've been on the end of some breadcrumbing myself. <laughs> it's such a funny word. And yeah, I don't think there's too much, uh, there's too much new information coming out of breadcrumbing. Apparently, people do it when their self-esteem is derived uh, from how much attention they can get from other people. And that's where my ears perked up a bit because attention is a currency I personally am very fond of. 
And then I thought, am I breadcrumbing people? Am I some sort of a carbohydrate enthusiast myself? Because I've definitely been on the end of some breadcrumbing. I would say that's just when people cancel on you, which is one of the most egregious things someone can do, I believe, personally. When someone cancels on you, okay, firstly, when you cancel on someone, you're probably saying, hey, I never really wanted to hang out with you. But maybe I was just panicked when you asked me or I was drunk. You know, I agree to do stuff when I'm drunk all the time. I agreed to go on a fucking cruise last year after four beers. Okay, so I'm not, I'm not opposed to people having five beers and making plans they actually never wanted to make. I think we all do that. And here's the deal. As far as breadcrumbing, not following through with people, when you cancel someone's plans with someone, the thing I hate about that is that that person has set aside that night for you, you know? And then when you cancel last minute, it's, you can't just scramble at 7 p.m. and make plans for 7.30. Your Thursday night is gone, okay? Now, often that can result in you having a guilt-free night at home, which is pretty fun. But I still think, you know, you're really just masking the rudeness of someone cancelling. So I kept reading about breadcrumbing and apparently a lot of people who are already in a relationship will do this just to sort of feel the attention of someone being keen on them. And really, that's is that breadcrumbing or is that just dipping your toe in the water of cheating? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how how much that would fly with the misses when you've been texting some chick from uni and you say, "Babe, calm down. It's just a bit of harmless breadcrumbing, okay?" And the thing with these dating terms is I think they give people too much credit. You know, when people are saying, "Oh, you you were breadcrumbing me or you were gaslighting me." Uh there all of these terms just translate to the exact same thing, which is they just don't like you that much, babe, okay? It's like that movie, He's Just Not That Into You. In 2023, that would be called breadcrumb extravaganza or something. But really, yeah, he's just not that into you. And the fact that psychology today is writing about that phenomenon uh, is probably a real watermark of where our society's at in 2023 and and a worry in and of itself but I think I was actually I bring this up because I think I was actually upon reading about breadcrumbing I think I've been bread breadcrumb myself <laughs> is that the plural I hate myself okay anyway so what happened was I was at the comedy store the other night doing some comedy and if you're going to be doing comedy the comedy store is the place to do it okay Anyway, so I went down to the comedy store to pick up some comedy and I'm doing it and I'm doing these bits about being single and I'm sort of talking with this chick in the front row. I'll often just sort of hit on women in the crowd, okay, which sounds quite abrasive when you're saying it on a solo podcast wearing a bucket hat that you won at a pub for buying four kinds of the same beer, but it's quite playful in real life, you know. A lot of stuff looks crap on paper, but when you jazz it up with some showbiz pizzazz, it's quite tasteful. So, sort of flirting with this chick in the front row, and anyway, she messages me after saying, 
I can't even remember. This is I should have bloody got the message up. But no, she says she said, uh, hope uh great great to see you do comedy again or something. Uh maybe we'll have to get that drink after all, lol. And I'm like, what an interesting development in an otherwise mediocre set. So I scroll up. This woman has actually seen me do comedy before and messaged me previously. And there was a bit of banter saying we should get a drink. And then and then she said, we should get that drink after all. It turns out she was the woman I was flirting with in the crowd. And I'm thinking, wow, you know, we'll be telling the grandkids about this one. What a crazy full circle story. And so I said, wow, what a coincidence. Sounds good. We should get that drink. What day works for you next week? Okay. Billy Darcy, straight to the mat. Okay. No administration required. We're just fucking printing orders here. You know what I mean? So, so I said, what about next Friday. She says, busy all weekend. I, she says, what about Wednesday? I said, I'm busy Wednesday. And this is the problem with my dating life is that I do work nights. So it is often hard for me to find a free night of the week uh, to engage in a frivolous date. That will no doubt uh, go nowhere. But I said, what about Tuesday? She said, Nothing, no reply whatsoever. Still have never never heard back from this young lady. And I thought, in fact, at the time, I'm, I didn't think anything of it. I thought this was just an old school Woolworth select mugging, you know? Two for one, fuck off Bill, same old, no stress, no harm, no foul. Now, upon reading this article on Psychology Today, expanding my horizons as a fully-fledged single man, I think I was actually breadcrumbed into next week, guys. Okay, she was just those little are you free Tuesday or whatever. They were actually tasty little fucking carbohydrate loaded treats. I was being breadcrumbed, guys. And as someone who has now been on the end of a genuine breadcrumbing, uh, I can tell you guys, it's not very nice. It's not very nice at all. (laughs) But despite what this article said, about, I don't think I was the victim of some sort of a serial killer, narcissistic psychopath, hell-bent on bringing misery to Billy Darcy and and sort of thwarting any chance he may have at happiness. Uh, I think she just either forgot to reply or had to think about it and decided she didn't want to see me after all. So just a reminder to not take things too personally in this life, despite what these BuzzFeed articles would have you believe, Okay. Dude, if you read one article on Junkie, you would swear that any person you've ever had an interaction with was sent from the future uh, to personally cause you misery and or potentially kidnap you, you know? But the realities of dating is that it's a fucking jungle out there, lads, and keep your hands up, okay? Keep your hands up, walk forward, check the kicks, you'll be all right, okay? So I've learned about breadcrumbing, I've experienced breadcrumbing, and let me tell you guys, (laughs) it's fine. It's absolutely fine. So anyway, cracking into the yarns from the week that was, I ran into an old friend of mine and he said, he said, mate, how's your podcast going? He hasn't listened to it in fucking ages. Okay. And this is the thing when you have a podcast is that friends will often either feel the need to listen to it out of some form of blind support, whether they like it or not. And I've had a lot of mates listen to this podcast over the years, and it's, it's very nice of them, okay? 
because I personally have a lot of friends who have podcasts and I don't listen to almost any of them. So I appreciate that. But when you when you have friends, uh, they, they feel the, they need to also tell you when they haven't listened to it out of some form of guilt. I, I had a friend, this is like six months ago. I had a, a pretty good mate of mine say, Bill, uh, he just came out of nowhere. He said, Bill, I've got to come clean. I've never once listened to your podcast. And this really took me by by surprise because we were actually talking about the cricket at the time. So it felt like a really unnecessary way to potentially hurt my feelings. I said, mate, that's okay. That is a-okay. And it's weird with comedy because you've got like a public-facing job, which I actually despise. I hate that people can see what I'm doing and how my comedy career is going. I I dislike that aspect of it. Just yesterday, well, last week I put up a stand-up comedy clip, little crowd work clip, 90 seconds of bands, in and out, you know, a bit of riffing off the top, who cares, no harm, no foul, like it or leave it, everything's fine, okay? This guy I played cricket with, like, I want to say legitimately 14 years ago, commented, I've seen health insurance ads more funny than this. And that's fine, okay? It's not the first time someone has said my stand-up comedy actually sucks. But, and that doesn't bother me because I know it doesn't. And here's the deal. I just hate that he can see it. I hate that this irrelevant person who I played cricket with 14 years ago, when we, were, when we played cricket together, we weren't mates. And now, 14 years of not seeing each other, I can assure you we're not any closer. And I just resented the fact that he could even view my stand-up, let alone pass judgment on it. And yeah, I just hate that about stand-up comedy. Like I got mates who are pursuing careers in human resources and construction management and you know plumbing and all this, all sorts of cool shit. Um, I don't know, fucking economics and publicity and act, uh, even acting to a certain degree. You know, when they go for an audition, it's not fucking live streamed onto Instagram. And I don't get to comment on their Instagram saying you're the worst accountant I've ever seen. <laughs> Which would be interesting because I know nothing about accounting. Yeah, that stops doesn't seem to stop anyone from commenting on my stand-up. So often I will receive this unsolicited advice on my podcast and or stand-up. And so I ran into a mate of mine, okay? And he said, Bill, I haven't listened to your podcast in about two years. And I said, that's okay. And he said, I'm so sorry. And I said, you don't have to listen to it, okay? Plenty of people do. It's fine. And he said, well, mate, the last time I listened to it, I think it was like three years ago when you had just started. And he said, mate, the last thing I remember that I absolutely loved was the story about you at Arizona State uh, stealing someone's ID to get into a football game. And I said, mate, that must be from episode like fucking seven or something. And he said, well, like I said, I haven't listened in years. And I said, mate, please stop saying that. It's becoming quite hurtful. And then then I thought, dude, there's so many great yarns from the early days of the podcast. Because this is when I was... Also, when I started the podcast, I was what? 24, 25? So I had a lot of yarns backed up from my early 20s. And so there's so many yarns in the first 50 episodes that no one ever heard again. And no one really heard at the time 
You know, this was back when the, the podcast was getting upwards of seven listens a week. Uh, I was bad at doing it. Other reasons. I wasn't wearing enough bucket hats at the time. I mean, the reasons are endless why the podcast wasn't doing well at the time. It was brand new. You got to take some time to build up the listens. And so I thought, man, there's a few of these bloody good yarns that I should bring back. And that's exactly what I'm going to do right now. I'm just going to retell a yarn from like episode seven because I don't think anyone's heard it. And it's a fucking banger. So the year was 20. 16, I want to say, maybe 2017, double check all of that. I'm at Arizona State University. I'm sleeping on Macca's couch. Now, Macca had done an exchange at Arizona State. He wanted to do an exchange in America. He Googled number one party school in America. Arizona State came up. Macca registered for that school, no questions asked, okay? Now, that's a man with his head screwed on. So I found out Macca was doing this. I wasn't going to do an exchange uh, because I wasn't really engaged with my studies. But I also wanted to get a bit of that college experience. So I think I was about 21, 22. I said, right, let me fly over and sleep on Macca's couch for a couple of weeks and just pop my head in and see what's what and who's who. And, you know, drink, uh, drink some Budweiser's out of a red cup and, you know, lick a sorority girl on the back of the neck and whatever people are doing over there, okay? Let me just really wrap my head around this college thing and just sort of try and get a whole semester's worth of experience in two weeks. And that's exactly what I did. I headed over and just really had the best time of my life. One of the things I wanted to do was go to a college sporting game. Now, perfect. It was college football season. The Arizona State Sun Devils, I think they are. They're playing and all the students get free tickets. So I said, no worries, I'll just buy my ticket because I'm not a student. Despite the fact I had attended three of Macca's lectures that week. I actually asked a question in Nutrition 101 and I found the whole learning experience to be extremely supportive. So I was over there playing student and Macca said, mate, you can buy a ticket, but then the stadium is split into two halves. There's students and there's general public. So the students have their own section. If you want to sit with us, you have to get a student ID. But the problem is everyone's using their student ID to go to the game. It's very popular. So I was asking around a bit. No one had a spare student ID and I needed someone who looked like me as well because you had to go to the student center, present your ID, and then they give you the ticket. So I'm asking around. I can't get a ticket and I really want to go, but... Like, I want to go to the fucking, the tailgate. I want to stand with all of Macca's mates. You know, I want to have fun. I don't actually give a fuck about college football. So I really need this student ID. So Macca's mate, Poshy, absolute legend of a man. One of the all-time greats, actually, while we're here. He says, Bill, don't worry. My roommate hates college football. He's not going. You can borrow his ID. I said, mate, you are an absolute legend. So Poshy says, mate, we're all going to get tickets from the student center on Friday, game Saturday, I'll meet you there. So we all go and it's a huge line to get these tickets. There's like thousands of students, obviously. So Poshy rocks up, we're in the line. He said, Bill, got the ID ready for you, mate. Chucks me the ID, I go, beauty, mate, appreciate it. 
I look at the ID. The bloke's name is Don Jung. It is Poshy's Korean exchange student roommate. This fella is full-blown Korean. Okay? Now, I got nothing against the people of the great nation of Korea. I love them. I love their culture. My only qualm is that I do not look Korean. Okay? I've had people tell me I look like Dean Lewis. I've had people tell me I look like Mark Zuckerberg when he got fat. I've had people tell me I look like Lewis Capaldi when I was fat. <laughs> I've had people tell me look, I look like a lot of people, none of which have ever been particularly flattering. But I've never once had anyone tell me I look like a Korean man, okay? I watch Squid Game every episode. Not once did Macronazzi say, holy shit, that's Bill, okay? So we got huge problems. I said, Poshy, Don Young, I said, is this guy Korean? Poshy's like, yeah, man, he is from Korea. I said, well, Poshy, mate, I don't look anything like this bloke, okay? And Poshy's like, oh, mate, you'll be fine. They don't even look. So I said, fine. So I'm in the line. I've got my fucking Korean student ID. (laughs) And I'm getting to the front. I I just put my sunnies and my bucket hat on. And I said, I'm just going to not address this. No matter what happens, I'm just not going to address this. Anyway, so we get to the front. The lady at the front's got like the ream of tickets. She goes, ID, please. I go, there you go. She looks at me. She looks at the ID. She looks back at me. I do not say a word. I just look straight into her eyes. And we begin having a telepathic conversation. I said, right. I'm not going to address this. So it's going to be on you. If you want to bring up the fact that I've just handed you the idea of a Korean man, you can. But just know that I won't be doing it. Okay, that's what I said to her. And she goes, can you take your sunglasses off? And I said, yeah, no worries. I take my sunglasses off. She looks at me and telepathically says, are you fucking for real right now? Is this really happening? And I look at her and I say telepathically, this is fucking happening, babe. Okay. Let's dance because I'm I'm going to the mat. I want to see this game. I'll have nothing to do all day tomorrow because it, it's a tailgate. It's like a four-hour game. It's like the whole plan for the day and I'm ravenous. She looks at me and she says, so you are Don Jung. And I look at her and I say, yes, I am Don Jung. And she looks at me and says telepathically, I fucking know you're not Don Jung, you stupid cunt. Okay. And I look at her and I say, well, telepathically, I say, well, address it then. Address it because I'm, I'm standing here stoically, okay? Like something fucking wild is going to have to happen for me to address this. And then she just looks at me and just telepathically says, I just cannot be fucked with this right now. And just goes, ugh. And she goes, fine. And hands me the ticket. And yes, I was Don Young for the day. And I used that ID again later. And uh, it worked again. So it's just one of those stories where if you just go, if you're just willing to just out cunt someone, like, you know what I mean? Like not be abusive towards them, but if you're just willing to sit in the awkwardness more than that person is and just say, come on, come roll around in the mud with me, babe, because I am willing to fucking take this to the ends of the earth. I am Don Jung, okay? And I, I went to the tailgate. It was one of the best days of my fucking life. So... There you go. Classic yarn from early get around me right there. 
but it was tough to meet girls at pubs during the pandemic. You know, you get up from your stool, try and talk to someone. You know, three Samoans immediately tackle you. <laughs> and these blokes are not rooting for love. I'll say that. <laughs> I've read one guy's name tag as he tackled me to the ground. It just said, I fuck yappa. I thought, <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I think that's Fijian for Billy, you're gonna die alone. So it's a beautiful culture. It really is, but uh, Dude, it's tough. I, I'm, I'm terrible at messaging girls. I, I won't do it. Like, I, it's just difficult. I was messaging this girl on Instagram the other night and I went to bed around 10 p.m. Yeah, I went to bed around 10 p.m. because it was a school night. And uh, as if she messaged me at midnight saying, do you want to get a drink next week? But then she messaged me again at 4 a.m. saying, actually, don't worry about it. <laughs> I woke up like, Sarah, these are not business hours. Like... <laughs> Like, my alarm goes off like, oh, sweet, I've gotten and lost a girl. Like, <laughs> has anyone here struck out in their sleep before? Like, it's not good for morale. I'm dreaming away thinking I'm like Shane Warne, but <laughs> turns out I just lost Sarah from Randwick. So, tough way to start your Thursday. Put a bit of heartbreak on your wheat picks, but I'll tell you the worst part, honestly. I fucking miss her. Like... <laughs> Brutal though. It's tough to message girls. We lost the phone call. Can't give a girl a phone call anymore. Pretty much one of the creepiest things you could ever do to a girl now. Just give her a phone call. Like, like unless you're her dad, back off. Like... You give a girl a phone call, they answer now like, hello, is that Ted Bundy? Stay on the line. We are tracking you, you fucking freak. Like, phone call. So weird now. Now you gotta like, add a girl on Instagram and message her on Facebook or something. That's less creepy. I don't know why. I'm messaging girls on LinkedIn now. Like, that's where we're at. I'm on there like, Kate, I'm task-oriented too. Let's grab a cocktail. <laughs> Okay, up next, a couple of topics I would like to crack into. Firstly, this week I saw they, are, they want to introduce betting on the WWE. I'll say that again. They want to introduce betting on WWE wrestling, which, as we know, is scripted fake wrestling. It's not real. It's like a film. It's like a live-action film. And... This is obviously problematic for numerous numerous reasons. It's interesting because if you took a wrestling fan to see a play, they'd be like, this is the lamest shit I've ever seen in my life. They'd probably remark that the theatre is for homosexuals. Yet, if you tell them that The Undertaker is fighting in Royal Rumble this weekend, they say, mate, I can't wait. That's unbelievable. Even though it is pretty much the exact same thing. So... Look, betting on the WWE, this is extremely problematic because it's scripted, predetermined events. So it's like, what are we betting on here? How are the odds <laughs> determined for something that's not a real contest? You know, if you go and see Spider-Man at the cinemas, you can't bet on that. You can't bet on the Green Goblin. <laughs> Imagine the new Marvel film comes out and you're like, holy shit. Dude, they've got Dr. Octopus at $6 to choke out Spider-Man. What a steal. <laughs> I've got that in a multi with, uh, with Batman to defeat the Joker outright. <laughs> and, then, and, then, and then we're going to multi that into Jake Gyllenhaal 
uh, winning his fight in that new fucking UFC movie. And then we're going to multi that in uh, into bloody Matthew McConaughey getting his heart broken in the new rom-com he's in, you know? $11, wow. <laughs> oh my God. But, but it is interesting, to be fair to WWE fans, uh, you can bet on like MasterChef and the Allen Border medal and this sort of stuff. So why can't you bet on the WWE? How many times have we have and this has happened to every friendship group where your mate's cousin's boyfriend's mum works for Channel 10 as a caterer and uh sucked off Dicko in 1997 and Dicko told her that his cousin was in the MasterChef finale and he was going to win and you should bet on him and his name's Enrique. And then you go on sports bet and you bet on Enrique and he never fucking wins. You know, we've all fallen for it. And that just feels like what this WWE betting is going to be. I mean, it's predetermined. So, yeah, it's got to be the dumbest thing ever. I don't know how sports bet or whoever's in charge of this stuff could possibly sanction this sort of behavior. I will say there was one time like five years ago where we did catch sports bet with their pants down where a mate of mine said his mate was a Channel 9 cameraman or KO cameraman and they filmed the Allen Border medal and it wasn't live and Steve Smith won and he was paying like $8 to win and all the boys got on it. I was driving to Newcastle and missed out and all the lads won like $700. So that was the one time I've seen something like this come off. But yeah, as far as betting on WWE... You know, it's weird when WWE people talk about like, can you believe this guy won? What an upset. It's like, I can totally believe it. I can totally believe this guy won because that's what the script said was going to happen. So as someone who routinely loses money to people fighting in real fights where anyone can win, uh, I would say proceed with caution to any lads out there thinking about throwing 25 sheets down on The Undertaker. Or whatever the fuck, okay? This has got to be one of the greatest scams in modern history, okay? If you're going to bet on the WWE, just throw an extra 20 down on a digital horse while you're there. Because this is, I mean, we're through the looking glass with some of this stuff. There's some poor blokes out there. When are they going to regulate gambling? Everyone is vaping their head off, gambling themselves senseless. And I'm pretty sure 20 years from now, we're going to look back and think everyone in this time period was the dumbest bloke alive. And as someone who's fallen victim to gambling and vaping, uh, you know, I'm not throwing stones by any means, okay? But yeah, what a wild time it is to be alive where you can have a cigarette out of a USB and bet on a made-up horse uh, in a scripted event. So this is truly bizarre. Keep your hands up out there, lads, okay? Keep your hands up. As always, this podcast is brought to you by Manscaped. Lads, it is time to engage in some proper hygiene with the leaders in below-the-waist grooming and experts of men's hair removal. Join the 7 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with our exclusive offer. Go to manscaped.com and use code DARCY, that's D-A-R-C-Y, all capitals, for 20% off and free shipping. It's time to level up and fully align your hygiene routine with the most stylish and premium grooming products out there. I've been using Manscaped products ever since they came on board here at Get Around Me. 
I take the lawnmower everywhere with me on the road. You know, you're in Cairns, you're in Perth, you're in Adelaide. You want to be feeling sharp and looking your best. And that's what these Manscaped products provide. I use the lawnmower 4.0 all the bloody time in the shower, not in the shower. It's got the light on the end. So for a daydreamer like me, it's pretty much the safest thing you could ever shove down your pants. And I just love it. And it's it's a sort of thing where it's like when you catch the bus a lot as a teenager and then you get your car license and you're like, oh, I'm never getting the bus again. That's what the, the lawnmower 4.0 is. You'll just be like, what the hell was I doing? So if you're looking to upgrade your hygiene and grooming routine, you've got to get around the Manscaped Platinum Package 4.0. The king of this package is the aforementioned lawnmower 4.0. The trimmer offers a ceramic blade and advanced skin-safe technology reducing cuts and nicks on your delicate parts. It also comes equipped with the 4000K LED spotlight. The trimmer is also the perfect size to travel with if you're a busy traveler such as myself, and it's waterproof if you prefer to shave in the shower. Also, if you don't trim your nose hairs, maybe time to start, lads. You you can now easily do that with the Weed Whacker nose and ear hair trimmer. The Weed Whacker also has their proprietary skin-safe technology, and a grooming routine isn't complete without applying Crop Preserver and Crop Reviver before showing off your 2023 self. These unique formulations take care of the smelliest part of your body and are a big boost to your confidence. The Platinum Package also comes with 2-in-1 shampoo and conditioner, body wash and deodorant. To complete the set, Manscaped also threw in their Shed Travel Bag and anti-chafing boxer briefs as free gifts. So take advantage of Manscaped's best valued bundle and save 20% off and free shipping with the code DARCY. That's D-A-R-C-Y, all capitals, at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com when you use the code word DARCY. Time to save and shave with Manscaped, lads. Get amongst it. Okay, up next. Obviously, I'm going to the Melbourne Comedy Festival next week, March 29th, April 9th. See you there. Schooners after. Also, my show's at 8.40 p.m., so it's it's quite a good time as far as schooning on. Anyway, so obviously, I'm whipping around the country, and I often have a lot of disdain for the other capital cities. So I thought, bit of a fun thing, you know, a bit of a fun segment over the coming weeks. Each week, I'm going to do five things I enjoy about one of Australia's capital cities. And this week, I'm going to do Melbourne as I'm going to the Comedy Festival next week. So... Here are my five favorite things about the city down south. A lot of people, people in Melbourne would say the people's capital of this nation. And I don't, I don't, I don't really have a lot of qualms with that. You know, I will say this, that if it was between Melbourne and Canberra to be our capital city, I would support it being changed to Melbourne. Okay. My disdain for Canberra being the capital far outweighs any potential rivalry we may have with Melbourne. So here are my five favorite things about Melbourne. Number one, the people of Melbourne have such passion. They are able to maintain a rivalry with Sydney despite it being completely one-sided. Okay, I didn't even know there was a rivalry until I went to Melbourne and someone called me a stuck-up Sydney dog. Okay, do you know how much determination and passion you have to have to keep a feud going when the other person doesn't even know you're in one. It's truly, it's to be admired, okay? 
uh, for it's it's one of those things where Melbourne hates Sydney and Sydney we don't really think of you Melbourne and we and, and that's not negative it's not positive it's neutral there it's it's lack it's lacking any thought whatsoever yet Melbourne throwing just throwing the ball against the wall repeatedly just catching just catching it and throwing it back against that wall of just the vile you know the the hatred uh, I, I actually respect it quite a bit you know just to keep it going despite no opposition whatsoever I think honestly it's to be admired and I think really it galvanizes your city you know it's like when you're in a friendship group at work and you all hate the same person you know, a lot of people say camaraderie is built on positivity and shared values. I would argue that true camaraderie is built on hatred. And I think that's what Melbourne has found uh, in its hatred for my fine city. So I applaud you for using that hatred in such a productive way. Secondly, Melbourne, uh, your pride in being the most livable city in the world. Now, what a truly bizarre brag this is. I personally think any city, any developed city in the Western world is pretty fucking livable if you ask me. You know, fresh water out of the taps, food at the grocery store, roads are sealed. It's all pretty good to me. But Melbourne, not it, Melbourne has to just rise above, you know, just that extra level on the ivory tower, looking down above people who are already living in a great situation, just going, do you know what? Our situation is just that little bit better. Our Kmarts are open for 24 hours for some reason, and we're here to throw it in your stupid face. And I appreciate that, Melbourne, okay? I brag about trivial shit all the time. And also trivial shit that I personally had nothing to do with. My dad will brag if there's a new bridge being built in our area despite the fact he works in IT and has nothing to do with it. And that's the same energy Melbourne is on when you brag about being the most livable city in the world, okay? So I appreciate that. Next thing, and this is something I I really like about Melbourne. People in Melbourne go out and do stuff. You know, you'll see round 13 in the AFL, Geelong playing who gives a fuck in a game that will no doubt be irrelevant in three weeks' time. And there's 80,000 people there on a Thursday. I love that. You know, in Sydney, it feels like people think the block is mandatory viewing or something. The absolute shrills you receive from some people when you invite them out on a Tuesday night, they think we're still in lockdown or something. They say, but it's a school night. Are we, are we allowed to go out and socialize? What is our curfew? People in Melbourne... And I think maybe it's because the winters are so abrasive that you're just like, fuck it, let's get out there. I think Sydney, we're spoiled too much. Like Everything has to be perfect for us to leave the house. But Melbourne, people are out there. They're amongst it, you know. They're going, maybe it's because the pubs are so sick. I don't know. Maybe it's because the trams are so easy to use. You can just whip around. Maybe because the city's flat and you've got that grid system you're always banging on about. But people go out and do stuff in Melbourne. And, you know, it's to be admired. You know, Sydney will have one of the most highly anticipated NRL games of the whole year. And the commentator will be like, we have a rollicking 17,000 people in at the stadium today. People, I think there's 
17,000 people will rock up to watch Geelong train on a fucking Wednesday morning. So I appreciate that about Melbourne. You're out there. You're doing stuff. It's exciting. Up next, number four reasons I love Melbourne. You're so encouraging. Melbourne people are so supportive and so encouraging. Perfect example, Melbourne still to this day will tell people in St. Kilda that they actually have a real beach. It's unbelievable. It's, it's the sort of blind, unconditional love reserved for family in other capital cities. That's how Melbourne feel about St. Kilda Beach. It's truly inspirational. You know, it, you go to St. Kilda Beach, some days it feels like you're in sort of medieval Wales. It's just harsh and cold. The water's black and the sand is rough. And the way people, people in Melbourne talk about that place, it's like you're at sort of Maui in the middle of summer. The positivity and the support in that great nation for can only be described as one of the most ordinary stretches of coastline this great nation has to offer. It's fantastic, Melbourne. I applaud you. And, and just the positivity, you know? If that beach was in Sydney, we'd, be, we'd have it taped off as some sort of a, a wasteland, maybe build a prison on it, you know? I don't see if there's any oil or anything we could mine out of that godforsaken Bay Area, but not Melbourne, okay? You're a positive bunch, and I appreciate that. And then finally, and this is, is this my number one reason? I don't know. This might be my number one reason why I love Melbourne, as far as, like, most important. Melbourne, you fucking, you love pubs and you hate pokies. You don't have these huge mega RSLs we have in New South Wales filled with just floor after floor of old people shitting themselves in front of pokey machines under some weird delusion it's about to pay out. You know, it's disgusting. Melbourne, the pubs are fucking homely. They're, you know, the beers are cold and the vibe is not. It's about going out and socializing, you know? Not gambling next week's rent on, on the machine with the funnest music and brightest colors, sitting there mindlessly tapping, praying for a feature, you know? I appreciate that about Melbourne. And also, your government has the balls to fucking not do something just because they can tax it into next week and, and make millions of dollars destroying the lives of most people who are socioeconomically disadvantaged already. So I love that about Melbourne. No pokies, all personality. Great pubs. Pubs over pokies. Put that on a billboard, Melbourne. You bloody legends. So I'll see you there for the festival. And there's some of the things I'll be enjoying in your great city. Now, up next, I'd like to briefly talk about the Oscars. And here's the thing. I'd like to do a bit of revisionist history here. Now, last year, I was very passionate about Will Smith slapping Chris Rock and what a, what a pelican I thought he was. And I was fired up. You know, Chris Rock, he's a stand-up comedian. Now, while we might make significantly different amounts of money each year, we still engage in the same trade. And so there is, that, there is a sense of camaraderie there, regardless of how ridiculous it might seem, being broadcast out of my bedroom thousands of kilometers away. Uh, but regardless, I took it personally when Will Smith slapped a comedian like that and I was fired up. Now, looking back, fuck, that was unreal, hey? Obviously, I don't condone the slap and Will Smith is a pelican who I'll probably never support again. But 
my God, how exciting was that? I was working an office job at the time and we were all abuzz. We're all loving it. Can you believe this is happening? What's going on? Now, and then the same night, Will Smith then won the Oscar and didn't address it in his speech. You know, do you know how fucking psychopathic you have to be to slap someone in front of the whole crowd and then go up and do a heartfelt speech and not even address it? I mean, Jesus Christ, dude. And this year, I didn't even know the Oscars were on. And it's just, it's a real shame. The big talking point of the Oscars this year I saw was Hugh Grant gave quite a boring interview. You know, he clearly didn't want to be interviewed. I'm not sure the logistics of why he had to be. He didn't really give any answers whatsoever. And that was pretty much as controversial as things got. A guy being slightly curt to a reporter. Now, if she had just slapped him in his in his face for being boring, this podcast probably would have written itself this week. So I think really this year for the Oscars, I'd like to go back and potentially thank Will Smith um, just for, you know, that event in and of itself. And then so many great podcasts I enjoyed, people talking about it, so many takes, so many different things, the fallout, the controversy, Chris Rock's stand-up just came out, it was really great. And everything that event gave us, you know. And I think you got to keep in mind when people act like absolute fucking weirdos, whether it be in your personal life or otherwise, you almost do have to thank them in a weird way. I know a guy used to cheat on his partner with just like the ugliest women. And it was really bizarre. And we used to always say what a weird, weird bloke he was. But we never really thanked him for the hours of time we got to talk about it, laugh at him, laugh with him. You know, did you hear what so-and-so's done? You don't think about all the fucking, the good times these weirdos provide. And I think looking back, I probably didn't appreciate the Will Smith incident as much as I should have. Also, controversy is just, it's the best. You know, it's a currency. Like this year they had Jimmy Kimmel host. Jimmy Kimmel is like the, he's like the, like lemonade icy pole of TV hosts, I think. Like even the most sensitive cunt on the planet could stomach this. You know what I mean? Like when I was sick as a child, mum would give me a lemonade icy pole. It was the only thing I could stomach. And that's like Jimmy Kimmel. Jimmy Kimmel's just... I'm not sure what he is. I really am not sure what Jimmy Kimmel is. He is on television. That cannot be disputed. What he does on there, why he does it, when he does it, if he does it at all, is up for debate. And, you know, I just missed the controversy. And I think we were spoiled last year. Last year, same year as Will Smith, Machine Gun Kelly threw a punch at Conor McGregor and vice versa. How fucking good is that? Dude, I tell you what, this is a promise. The first red carpet I get on, I'm throwing a punch at Kyle Sandilands, okay? Not because of any particular personal issues I have with Kyle. And, you know, the way my career is going, by the time I get on a red carpet, Kyle will probably be dead. But, you know, just the controversy, get yourself on the front page. I feel like we're, we're missing a bit of that. The Oscars this year was too nice. It was, you know, every, everyone who did a speech was so heartfelt. Jimmy Kimmel was so placid. No one physically assaulted anyone. Sam Smith wasn't there dressing up as like an androgynous doorknob or anything. I feel like we just, maybe I didn't appreciate the Will Smith thing as much as I should have. And I'd just like to thank Will 
for what he did last year and all the fun we got out of that. Because this year, it was just a lot of Asian people crying with gratitude, celebrating a lot of great cinema, uh, and, and that's great. But really, looking back, wow, what a gift last year was. So thank you, Will Smith, and uh, thank you, Machine Gun Kelly as well. You know, does someone fucking throw a punch next year? I think that's what I'm trying to say. Okay, up next, I'd like to briefly do the project and then talk about the cricket. And then we got Rowan Arneal in the second half as per. So this week on the project, new band I've come across, new Aussie band, The Boys. Now, I know what you're thinking, Bill. Oh, The Boys. This must be some sort of an all-lad collective just rocking out. And that's where you'd be wrong. The Boys, it's actually spelled B-U-O-Y-S. It's an all-female band or female lead. Double-check that. But it's like just guitar-driven sort of indie rock, which, you know, really gets me out of bed in the morning. I've, I wear bucket hats. I like indie rock, and I miss my ex-girlfriend, okay? It's very on-brand for me, I know, but you can't help but what you like. And, dude, these chicks, they rock. And they rock hard, okay? I love a play on words. I love a female lead singer. I love Australian indie rock. I love discovering a new band just when they're really rising up. You know, you want to find an artist when they're about the 300K Spotify monthly listeners, 100K. And that's where, you know, you want to go to go to their, their concerts. They're playing like 400 seaters. That's the sweet spot, okay? So check out the boys. A uh, bit of a change of the guard moment for me personally as Camp Cope has just broken up, one of my favorite all-female Aussie bands. And, dude, when bands break up, it reminds you that you can just quit what you're doing whenever you want. Because every time a band breaks up, you, you think, oh, God, no, how could they possibly break up? And then it's like, it's just a job. You know, we expect, we expect everyone to do everything forever. You know, everything needs to be the way it is, static not changed. You know, the podcast, you do a podcast every Thursday for the rest of your life, you work in accounts, what do you do? I'm an accountant, keep doing it. And you often forget you can just do whatever you want, whenever you want. And that's what Camp Cope reminded me of. Uh, And so Camp Cope, the band is breaking up, which is such a shame. But the same week I find that out, I discovered the boys, an awesome Australian indie rock band. So if indie rock's your thing, get out there and give it a crack. Now I'd just like to briefly chat about the cricket, the fourth test between Australia and India. Uh, The pitch was extremely flat, flat as a tack, okay? And I got no qualms. I used up my pitch whinging last week. Uh, Apologies for last week's talk about the cricket. I sort of And this is something that can happen to me when I talk about the Australian test team is I often get too fired up, too emotional, too sort of, I don't know, just sort of lose it a bit. And that's what happened last week. You know, last week I thought, let me just talk about this disgraceful cricket pitch for three minutes and then sort of analyze the game a bit further. And then last week I started talking about the pitch and then I just sort of blacked out for six minutes and woke up face down on my bedroom floor. So I'm not sure what happened there. I got too into it and I apologize. 
But this week, you know, the pitch was flat. I am not. Sort of a weird end to a really fun series in the end. I mean, this series, yeah. India probably did. They went a bit too hard with doctoring the pitches. And at times it was farcical. But you cannot say it wasn't exciting as fuck. I really enjoyed a lot of this series. Uh, Uzi, 180 in this test match. Now... I don't even want to talk about him because I've just, it's all I do. All I do is talk about Usman Khawaja and how good he is and how how ripped off he's been by the Australian selectors. And really, they owe him 40 test matches. They should just, they should amend his record or something. And here's the thing is Usman Khawaja was not in the team for a long stretch there. And it's just such a joke because... If, if, if there's people out there saying, oh, Usman Khawaja got better and now that's why he's a great test cricketer, that means you're under the impression Usman Khawaja hit his prime at 35 years old. Most batsmen get dropped at 35. Look at Warner. He's about to be dropped at 35. So you're saying Usman Khawaja defies the laws of nature and is actually getting better at 35. His hand-eye coordination is improving as he gets older. Okay, now, I'm not familiar with the Muslim faith, but I believe it has its limitations as far as, you know, there's no, there's no Islamic prayer for better, for better reflexes. There's no, you know what I mean? There's no chapter of the Quran in playing the ball even later. Okay, this isn't some sort of a, a weird Muslim power-up. This is just a guy who was always really good being really good. Okay, he should, be, should have an extra 30 test matches to his name. I've said it literally for years. Let's just move on, okay? Cam Green hit 100. Wow. I love this for Cam Green. He's got such a fantastically innocent smile when he when stuff stuff is going well for Cam Green. I love it. You know, when Alex Carey got his 100 last year and Cam Green was cheering louder than Alex Carey, and he's just smiling like a Cheshire cat, I thought this guy has got to be one of the best blokes going around. So... Cam Green's got that energy like he's always just three days either side of watching The Lion King, you know? He's just, just a fucking innocent human. I love it. So, love Cam Green. You know, I've, I've not been critical of him in the past, but I've just said I just need to see it. You know, everyone's saying this guy's the best player ever. I said, well, just, just do something, you know? Just do something. He did something. Um, it took him 27 tests or something, but whatever, it's been done. Cam Green doing something great is now past tense. Awesome. Continue to play for the next 12 years. I love it. I needed to see it. I saw it. It's been seen. Beautiful. Okay. Cam Green is now a bona fide superstar. I mean, a ton in India for your first ever test match century. Doesn't get much more impressive than that. The only thing to do now is to ditch his normal misses from his previous life, start dating Millie Alcock from the Hunger... Uh, I was going to say the Hunger Games, but I mean from Game of Thrones. Start dating her, become one of Australia's greatest power couples, captain the nation, and off you go. Buy a house in Double Bay. The world's yours, brother. Enjoy yourself, okay? And Cam Green's a smart fella because... He only play. He plays his best cricket in India, when the billionaires who control the game are watching. Okay, 
He went over there and opened the batting in the T20s for Australia. Gets himself a $4 million IPL contract, 3.2. Then he goes over in the test match. The same blokes who, who are paying the bills are watching. He goes, I'll help myself to a test 100 on the flattest wicket this nation has ever produced. I'll endear myself to this nation even more. He's a smart kid, okay? Then when we go to England and the ball's nipping all over the place, he can nick off and not worry about it, knowing the Mumbai Indians truly couldn't give a fuck about test cricket in any capacity, let alone the ashes, between two nations who aren't India. So he's a smart cookie, Cam Green. Long live the great man. I'm a fan. Play it on. Um, looking forward, this summer when Kuhneman, Matthew Kuhneman, is getting pongoed around the Big Bash, never to play another test match again, just pour a, pour a beer out for the great man. Well done, Kuhneman. You know, Pfeiffer, Took, took some great wickets, gave him a rip. Probably never play again. I mean, if you're, gonna, if you're Australia's third spinner, I mean, the only situation where Australia plays a third spinner is if India uh, doctors the pitch in a corrupt way to suit their own interests. So until we go back to India, I don't see, I don't see a, a, a situation where the pitch has been doctored to such an extent where Matthew Kuhneman plays again. So thank you and see you later to Matthew Kuhneman. We appreciate it. Uh, Virat Kohli was handing over his jerseys at the end of the game to the Aussie players. Lovely, lovely uh, sort of gesture there. You know, I like Kohli. The thing with Kohli is you could just tell that this man has a switch inside of him that he cannot control. He's got white line fever and there's nothing he can do about it, okay? So sometimes he might be a raging cunt on the field, but I do believe, you know, he's one of the all-time greats of the modern game. So got a lot of time for Coley and it might be the last time we see him play Australia in a test match. So hope you enjoyed that 150, anyone who watched that. I'll admit I didn't really watch anything after the Cam Green 100, just because the deck was so, so, so flat. And I knew I wasn't going to see anything better than old Cammy Green tunning up. So the last thing really to sort of discuss as far as this tour, the future of poor Davey Warner. I tell you what, if Dave Warner knew how flat that pitch was going to be, he would have flown back over with one arm and batted right-handed. My Lord, he would have been over there. He would have flown himself private just to get a go on that last deck, the poor, blo the poor bloke. I will say this, I am in favor of Dave Warner playing against India in the World Test Championship and starting in the first test against England in the Ashes. I think he deserves it. I don't think we have an alternative. I think Travis Head did a good job in India, but I think he should remain at five. He should never have been dropped. He should bat five for the next 12 years. And yeah, if Dave Warner fails in England in the World Test Championship and the first test of the Ashes, then let's have a conversation about what we're doing there. But until then, give Davey Warner one last chance. Travis Head to bat at five until the day I die. Cam Green at six. Alex Carey at seven. Usman Khawaja to play until he's 43. My ex-girlfriend to respond to my last text message. And everything will be just peachy dude so thanks for listening guys the camera just cut out the end there i'll borrow adzi's macbook i'll get this one on youtube 
for the 17 people who enjoy that. Come and check me out on tour. All those tickets via the link in my Instagram bio. And yeah, Rowan Arneal up next. A lot of yarns from the weekend. Hope you enjoy it. And yeah, dude, thanks for listening. Way too long, way too long. Yeah, and I can see the ground now. I'm way too gone, way too gone. All right, legends. Welcome back to yet another second half of Get Around Me with the man himself, Rowan Arneal. What is doing, mate? A lot's doing. Yeah, there's some venom behind that this week, A mate. A lot's doing. Love to hear that from you. Uh, would you say you've come into this episode a little more spiteful than other episodes? Oh, are you trying to build? <laughs> you are such a liar. I am merely creating context. Mm. No, I don't think there's any spot. Uh, mate, it, it probably wasn't as jolly as a walk. I've been here too much too recently. You've been to- here a lot recently. And it's too much. I need to get out. Yeah, I think so. Like after we do this, I probably don't want to see you for maybe like a week. Oh, yeah. Well, if we didn't have to do this, we could probably space it out a little bit longer even. I know, yeah. Yeah, this is a, this is a truly professional hang right now. <laughs> like, yeah. this isn't social. There's no demand for your company in this house right now. Oh, no. This is just to get through the contract. As, as well, mate, it goes both ways. I, I know there's no demand for my company in your life at this time. Oh, absolutely not. No. no. I might- I would like to- spend some time with other people and talk about you, but I don't know if I'd... <laughs> I don't think I need you to be there. Um, wow. And is that sort of uh, giving an indication on the tone of those conversations? Oh, look, we'll be laughing. Um, but we'll, you'll be laughing with me or at me? Oh, if I have it my way, at you for sure. Yeah. No, that's fair enough, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Look, uh, me and Ron have been hanging out a lot recently. Good sessions over the weekend, mate. Yeah, some nice some nice times. It was one of those weekends where I thought everything was fine. And then I woke up for work this morning just in a state. And I was like, <laughs> oh, I think I just got fucked up for three days. Yeah, yeah. It was a bit like that. And you were, you were in and amongst it, mate. So, f- Friday night- Mm. Friday night's hang exploded. I don't even know what to tell you. Okay. It was just one of the great- Sometimes the universe will line up in a way where you just go, I am the main character. Yeah. I am the main character. Billy was bringing some protagonist energy for sure. 100%. Well, I've been, you know, working like a goddamn dog recently, uh, days and nights, and I had a a Friday night off. Mm. And I was like, this is just going to be unbelievable. And we're talking 12 beers, some light narcotics, and uh, and and just the tools are down. Yeah. Completely tools down energy. Macca and Adzi are out for the night. They've both got plans. I said, Rowan, what are you doing? You came over and we're chilling. We are chilling, yeah. And then through a series of unfortunate events, Macca and Adzi both became free and joined the hang. Mm. And then this quiet beer turned into an absolute session pretty quickly. Mm, mm. And when Billy's in company, his attitude towards me changes. <laughs> there is a dynamic change from look two mates hanging out that respect each other to oh oh look what three people have spent a lot of time together can gang up on someone i was on a lower chair <laughs> and it's just three 28 year old in between is just wa- <laughs> watching waiting for the end of any of my sentences to just go oh, liar <laughs> <laughs> billy does a particularly manipulative thing where he just calls everything you're saying a lie and there was what, what was the story where I was like, all right, mate. Oh, when I told that lady, um, the removalist 
to oh, that fuck was off. a ridiculous story. You're like, mate, next thing I threw her off a balcony and- Oh, here we go. He's lying again. <laughs> here we go. So, there was some um, adversity in- during the hang, would you say? Oh, I don't know adversity, but yeah. You faced some adversity, The I patio say. turned into a quadrangle if you let these boys loose. Yeah, 100%. And the thing is, the social dynamics at play in these hangs, it becomes extremely tribal. Well, yeah, you and Mac have become extremely tribal. (laughs) (laughs) Most 28-year-olds I hang out with kind of ease back off the tribalism. Yeah. But Billy's just- Look, a lot of the people at home might think, fuck, I'd love to have a session with Billy Darcy. Um, Oh, my God. With Macca, with Adzi. How good would that be? You don't actually want that. You (laughs) want Billy without them in a different location (laughs) where he doesn't feel overly comfortable to ridicule. And to call you a liar at the end of any of your sentences. Oh, will you take a 75? I'm last offer, 75% truthful. That's what I'm going to give that, Ryan. Well, mate, you were telling some outrageous stories. That was a normal story. Well, I don't know. It didn't seem believable to me. Billy will about about three words into your story will just cast his <laughs> eyes over you like this fat fucking prince. Mm, he's <laughs> lying, Macca. And Macca goes, mm. <laughs> These two fucking fat sultans, <laughs> drunk on power. We're not even fat. Yeah, well, that's how you seemed that like you were you were performing very fatly. I was behaving like a very fat person in that I was indulging every vice available to me. Oh, very thirteenth cert- century king. Very third, like I it, I had the energy of someone eating one of those like huge turkey legs. Mm, yeah, just like it's all over my face, and I'm just like nom, 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 nom. He, he was very <laughs> he was very very close to just calling me a witch. He's a witch. Get him out of here. Like, this is a fucking uncomfortable way to get high for four hours. <laughs> yeah, no, there, there was some de- genuine ganging up going on out there, mate. I don't, and we, I, I didn't apologise. Mac actually did apologise the next day. Well, his apology was also incredibly condescending. Yeah, I didn't accept his apology. No, you threw it in his face. Yeah. Oh, sorry about the bands, mate. I was like, mate. Well, I didn't. Here's the thing, mate. I didn't apologise because I knew mm. there was no need. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, but yeah, no, the, the hang was electric, mate. It was a real, um, so it was a sort of hang where there were consequences to what you were saying, um, mm. whether they be justified or not. Mm. Well, a few lies being thrown my way. Yeah. Billy just acting like he's on a fucking shuttle bus going to a cricket <laughs> game at all times. Damn, some of us. All right. Okay. No worries. Oh, actually before, uh, before the beers got to about. The fifth beer or so, it's all earnest, macronazzy. How was your week, mate? How you doing? Oh, nice to hear. Oh, good on you. <laughs> and then, oh, <laughs> there's definitely a, a shift there's in a, tone. A definite shift where you're like, oh, hang on, am I on a year nine quadrangle right now? Fuck it, oath, dude. <laughs> it's because, here's the thing, mate. you got you got to think about where we're coming from. Yeah, bad behavior. Yeah, but I'm saying it's, it's unchecked. What do you mean? What's unchecked? Like the behavior. In, in that, like, we've gone from our first move out was into one of the most toxic share houses the Northern Beaches <laughs> has ever seen. Yeah. And then we, we took the three, you could argue the three most toxic members of that house. Oh, that's not true at all. Okay. Well, that, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a fucking, it's a cast of killers. Yeah, yeah. Of the of the people that lived in the lad pad over the years, I think it was about 10. It's a real, it's a mm. cast. It's mm. a cast of characters. You know, and we had a lot of different blokes come through that house. We did live with one woman for about three months, mm. which goes under the radar. Mm. Um, 
I don't think it goes under the radar in her life. Yeah, I'm I was sure about she to has say. a lot of words to say. About yeah, it. I was about to say. Yeah, <laughs> there's a few fucking blogs to be read <laughs> written about that one. Yeah, well, she she took it pretty well, and um, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, dude, yeah, and then so now we've gone straight from that environment. Now we're living in this trendy Fairlight apartment, but mm. you know, that's where the trendiness stops. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, sorry if you were expecting something else, mate. But, you know, to be fair, our TV stand is actually just building materials Macca stole from a site. Yeah. So, that's a pretty, that's a that's a bit of a clue that, hey, it could get pretty full on here <laughs> in about two hours time. Some blokes could be pretty unhelpful if you forget the word that you're looking for. Yeah. Well, the thing is, it's a real environment where you can't make a mistake. Mm. And sometimes you're not even making a mistake. Mistakes are made up on the spot. Well, that's, you know- that's your narrative. Mm, mm. Mm. But it was a great hangman. I enjoyed myself. Um, I enjoyed the status I received as as the host and and being on the right side of the gang up. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're always scared, though. Do you know what it is, man? I said this to you on the night as well, is that a few times you were saying some weird shit and you kept interrupting me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which- but a lot of the time I was interrupting you to say, I do know this, Billy. I have heard this. Yeah, but here's the thing, mate, is that you, when you get into a hang with Billy Darcy- and I've had eight plus beers. I'm playing the hits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so, of course. Yeah. You know, when you see John Farnham, you want him to play. You're the voice, <laughs> <laughs> Billy. I've heard. I know this. I know this. Let me finish it. Let me finish yeah. it. Then I look at my phone for a second. He's like, "What are you looking at?" I'm like, you, I know what you're about to say. I was like, "You're not listening, bro. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're not, not listening, listening to me." Come on, mate. He's been trying to spit this out for hours. I'm like, yeah, he shouldn't get to spit it out. He's been indulgent. And I'm too sensitive I because when you're not paying attention to me, I'm like, you're bombing, oh, Bill. Oh, you're bombing. Yeah, he, he, Billy reads everything, every single so- social situation like it's the last three minutes of the state of origin. He's like, you've got it, mate. You're taking it home. You've, you've made this. He's got another three minutes in him. And you're like, Jesus Christ, Billy. Yeah, so it's, you know, I'm, I'm a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, um, but, oh, yeah, the thing with the, uh, t- 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 oh, that's what I was going to say. We were getting pretty blazed out there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And here's the thing with you, mate, is in my mind, you're kind of like this surfy, I don't want to say guru, that implies wisdom, but sort of a, sort of like a surfy drug god type man. <laughs> It's so dramatic. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, I always forget that you're as blazed as we are. Mm, yeah, yeah, Because yeah. you all, like, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Also, I- your, your personality doesn't change that much. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so so sometimes I have to remind myself, oh, Rowan's also had, like, six joints. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then that's when I become a bit more forgiving to your <laughs> mistakes and your interruptions. <laughs> and getting slightly distracted because Billy's been rambling. Yeah, and I will ramble, mate. I will ramble. <laughs> but, mate, you had some real social currency out there when you- And this was- this was really appreciated, mate, and I think it. I think it did keep you in good stead out there. Rob- <laughs> Once again, it's not a sporting match. I don't need to be kept in good stead out there, mate. Honestly, I'm trying to connect with my boys. <laughs> I'm not keeping in good stead. Like I'm going to be dropped off the lineup. Mate, I thought you looked good out there, mate. Okay, great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought you gave a good account of yourself. High impact player. High impact player, mate. Uh, you announced at about 7 p.m. that you actually had 40 percent off Uber Eats. Mm. Wow. Saving it. Yeah, yeah. And, mate, so we- And coming from three men that all are banned from Uber Eats uh, forever. Well, that's what I was going to say, mate, because just the fact you have access to that app- (laughs) (laughs) 
let alone a discount on top of that, mate. Mm. I mean, we've been menu log boys here for quite some time. <laughs> <laughs> Not by choice, mate. When when deliver because you know Deliveroo went under. Yeah, yeah. Mate, that hit this household a lot harder than most. Yeah, me too. Because now we are we're we're menu log or bust mm. um, due to the, the lifetime bans we have received from the Uber <laughs> company. <laughs> I like Uber, I like Uber Eats though because they don't take it too personally. You're still allowed to order Ubers. Yeah, that is nice. You can still get in the car yourself, but mm. you cannot send put noodles in there. <laughs> yeah, not, yeah. not after what you've done. They do not trust you to order anything. Yeah, and we deserve it mm, for sure. Here's the thing: is the ban? It. I thought it was maybe going to be a six month number. It's been three years. Yeah. Probably for life. It's probably for life. And at the end of the day, if I'm looking in the mirror, I can't say it's unjustified. <laughs> Uber is yet to turn a profit and Billy Darcy is one of the reasons why they haven't. Dude, do you know what it was? Is that the golden age- And here's the thing, man. I'm not fucking- I'm not proud of our behavior on Uber Eats, okay? <laughs> <laughs> but what I will say is that there was just a real bad overlap of me being 23, 24 in living in a rat bag share house, mm. loving that. Then it was also the golden age of the self-serves where you could just literally just rack thousands of dollars mm. worth of meat. And then you couple this with the golden age of the Uber Eats, the Uber Cheats era, as mm. some people refer to it as, where you could just sort of get free food. And this just turned, all of this happening at once just created monsters out of us. Well, I've, I'd been, I've been to that house back in the day and it was like Ocean's Eleven in there. <laughs> there were two, so many- Everyone's clicking their fingers. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. There's bass lines everywhere. The boys are wearing suits that got to go get some free noodles. Yeah. Oh, my God. The self-service, the, these absolute criminal masterminds. Dude. Master yeah. thief Billy Darcy with the green bag, <laughs> filling it with steak. Yeah. We were we were eating scotchies. I was working two days a week at Westfield, mate. <laughs> yeah. Make the connection there. <laughs> you know <laughs> you know how much of a master thief this man is? While he was only working two days a week, he contracted gout <laughs> from the amount of meat that he stole. <laughs> it's embarrassing. <laughs> Dude, the, the amount of ham and seafood that this man <laughs> took yeah. off Coles, and, and I will say we don't we don't shoplift anymore. You know, you yeah. sort of you gr- you grow up, as they say. Well, yeah, well, that's what that's what we were talking about on Friday night, huh? We're all clean, huh? Everyone in this house. Okay, there's one there's one bloke in this house who's who's yet to who still likes to treat the fellas on a Thursday. Yeah. So uh, yes, all the red meat that is eaten in this house is still stolen. Well, I will say that my night is Tuesday. Yeah. So. Totally above board. Green Bowl Tuesday nights, paying paying for everything there. So, anyway, look, it's a it's a process of rehabilitation, and it's it's great to be back. Anyway, yeah, what- I don't know. I'm I'm uncomfortable just revealing what a true piece of shit I am. <laughs> what are we talking about? I don't know. I was trying Any to think of it. Shit? Da, 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 um, Uber Eats, oh, Chinese. I got us some Chinese. You got the Chinese in, mate. Now, fifty fifty dollars off. They let me have. Really? Yeah. Nice. Hardcore. Yeah. And you did something, mate, that I thought was a real power play, but but I'd like to almost normalize this. Yeah. You said, boys, is it okay if I just order for the group? Mm. And that stops the, the fucking fuck around of going, of course, you know, bloody, like any household on the Northern Beaches, Macca was literally crying for honey chicken. Yeah. <laughs> he was bawling his eyes out for honey chicken. And I'm telling you, if I'd stuck with the lemon, <laughs> I, you do not know how much better the lemon is. And the sauce that's on, you drizzle over the top. It's unbelievable. <laughs> so, yeah, I, but he, I'm a big man. So, I'll, I'll just go, yeah, you'll see. Mate, beautiful. I love that you did that because I'm I'm someone who I fucking hate 
any type of administration with a passion. Mm. Tasks. I don't want to do them. <laughs> everything, just because I'm a fat cunt, basically everything but food. I'm not, I don't want to touch administer. Yeah, but here's the thing, man. I know you love your Tucker. <laughs> so, so that's why when you said, can I order for the group? Firstly, I'm thinking no admin for me. Yeah. Then I looked at your belly and thought, this guy, <laughs> this guy knows what he's talking about. He's strong, man. Yeah. He's got and- a, a hindmarsh physique. Yeah. And here's the thing, mate, is- I love that you did that. Mm. I think there's a lot of people out there who that would absolutely send them up the wall if they didn't get to have their choice. Yeah. Well, they're babies and they should know when it comes that I was right. People learn. Dude, normalize just when the Uber Eats, we're going around the room, mm. chuck the phone to the fattest bloke there. Yeah, exactly. And, and mate, to be fair, you're the best of a, of a pretty good bunch as far as mm. you're not actually fat. Yeah. But, but within the context of this household- but I do have, I do, I'm more of a glutton than you guys for sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there has been some pretty, there's been some incidents here. There's, been, f- <laughs> there's been some gluttonous displays in this there's house. There's been some very gluttonous displays <laughs> in this house, mate. Yeah, so, yeah, you are still worse than the majority of the population for yeah. sure. <laughs> yes. Let's not take that away from you. Yeah. I'm just a little bit worse. A hundred percent. Pork ribs, lamb pancakes. Ooh. Oh my God. Dude, it was good. It was really good. But yeah, that was our Friday night. It was just a real gluttonous affair. And then <laughs> and then it was like Saturday. Do you ever do this where you're like, oh, I stayed in Friday night, so I should go out Saturday night? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then it's like you forget that you had 14 beers while staying <laughs> in. Yeah, yeah, And then yeah. so I went out to the pub Saturday night blind, mm. completely out. I got mugged senseless by this one girl. And this is like, um, I love, <laughs> I love muggings where like, someone has gone out of their way to mug you like you mm. like if you um uh, like ask a girl out or go talk to a girl at a random table at a pub and get mugged off mm. it's like well you know in for a penny in for a pound yeah, yeah, you, yeah. but but this girl you walked over there this girl mugged me off where she has come over to me and then mugged me and i was oh. just sitting there ch- chatting oh that's nice so you're like uh, oh so it was my personality <laughs> well i don't even know it was just like real weird so this girl <laughs> came over to you and just talked to you for 30 seconds and went oh yeah that's exactly what happened <laughs> <laughs> i wonder what it was so it's so, be that quick mate honestly i i've still racking my brain but she walked um, over it there and she was like here he is a six foot two man and no, then as she was talking to you she was like yeah i don't care about that anymore so well that's cooler than what happened <laughs> <laughs> so i'll tell you what happened um so she knew one of my mates at the table there's like eight of us at the table yeah and she comes over she goes i saw you at the comedy store in sydney like you you were fantastic Oh, nice. Yeah. And I said, oh, thanks so much. I appreciate it. I'm Billy. And she said, oh, okay. And just turned her back on me. (laughs) (laughs) And then I was like, oh, okay. (laughs) And then she didn't talk to me again. Wow. Yeah. And she just like spoke to her mate with her back to me and then like just walked off. (laughs) (laughs) And I was just sitting there just like, okay. (laughs) Oh, well, the compliment's still nice. Well, the compliment's nice, but then- I don't know. Yeah, yeah. It was just weird to start a conversation with someone, like, and then just leave. It is odd to um, just not even say a name and just turn around. Yeah. We could have had I was a 30-second like, chat. And, and I was like, oh, hi, I'm Billy. And she wasn't like, oh, nice to meet you. Anyway, I'll catch you later. Mm. I was like, hi, I'm Billy. And she just said nothing and, and turned her back on me. 
Mate, I think she might have. That might have been nerves on her part, maybe even. I, I, I mean, she was like, "He's a master. He's a master I, comedian. I could re- possibly." But I, I can only tell you what I felt in this situation. I don't think it was nerves on her part. It feels like she's fumbled the big shot. I'm telling you, it was a mugging, mate. <laughs> I, I was on the end of this thing, mate. It was a mugging. <laughs> well, she still complimented you, so it's not a full mugging. Yeah, but it's a partial mugging. Yeah, it's a partial mugging for sure. But I love that when like- And of course, you didn't take this personally at all. No, I took it very personally. And it consumed you for the next few hours? No, actually, no, 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 sorry. I didn't take that one personally. Nice. I got mugged later in the night. I took it very personally. Okay, could have been a build-up effect. Well, now I'm thinking if the first mugging made me take the second mugging so hard. (laughs) Now I'm like psychoanalyzing the night. Because Maka was talking to this one girl and then um, she introduced me to her friend and her friend was like, I, I, from my perception, I thought she was like a loser, right? Mm-hmm. Like I just didn't. And just, maybe she picked up on that a little bit. I'm not sure. <laughs> but her friend wasn't particularly keen on me. And then and it was one of those things where it's like, I was thinking, you're not keen on me. I hate you. <laughs> so you did take, yeah, you took it quite but then, personally. But then, so I took that one really personally. Mm. But now I'm thinking maybe the first one, maybe actually that built up to the second one. Possibly. Or maybe the thousands of rejections of your life as well, also building up. Well, and it manifested in this. This was the the one that pushed it over the edge. Oh, I think there'll be lots that push it over the edge. I think there's lots of edges and lots of rejections. That's what I'm saying, mate. <laughs> so, I'm like, I don't think that's the yeah, case. Yeah, that's not true. Yeah, yeah, water off a duck's back. Water off a duck's back. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude. You have a nice night at the pub? Spend about $150 getting drunk? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did did that? <laughs> yeah, that's no, nice. I spent about a hundred. It was just. I tell you what, I, I love this. Like, I didn't even. I think I had one tequila soda. Just went to the pub and just had ten pints of Carlton Draft. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's an honest way to live. It's an honest way to live, dude. Mm. I love it. And yeah, it was just one of those things where I don't know. I got on a courtesy bus to Manly. Because I thought everyone was coming and then I was just on the courtesy bus by myself. Oh, lonely boy. <laughs> and then I was like, what's happening? <laughs> and then by the time I got to Manly, I was like, oh, fucking, I can't do this. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it is hard when you just think you count a night off as drinking 12 beers and eating a shit ton of Chinese food. Yeah. And then, sorry, we're recapping a pretty average weekend that here. That is but, true. Yeah, 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 but, yeah, um, yeah. But I will say, and then Sunday, <laughs> yeah, we just got s- drank more of Sunday we fucked it. Like we just chilled out on Sunday, but then I know. you came around at twelve to watch the fights, mm. and you made some homemade sausage rolls. Yeah, which I, which I will say, they were fucking unbelievable, mate. Always, yeah. Okay, yeah, and that's the truth. I know. And you came over with with a bit of energy about you. You said, "I've just had a champagne breakfast." And then then you sat down to watch a fight. You said, "Who wants a glass of bubbles?" <laughs> well, when you are eating sausage rolls, it's customary to treat yourself to some bubbles. It was the weirdest energy ever, but I enjoyed it. Mm. And I didn't join you for a glass of bubbles. But then the main event of the UFC was on at like twelve, and I was like, "Fuck!" Like the fight was too toey. I was like, "Yeah, I gotta have a beer." Mm. And then. And, and now we're off. And then we just sort of drank for six hours. <laughs> well, I went home. And I was like, honestly, I probably could have had a better time if I didn't just start pissing up. Because then you're, you're this weird, tired fucking slug. 
of just kind of I don't know. I was having I was having a decadent evening, and I'm like, this is all pretty unnecessary. Yeah, you, did- you could have had a like a coffee. And smoked a little weed and felt absolutely fine. Yeah, yeah. No, 100%. This was- Perhaps even the sausage rolls were unnecessary. Perhaps a lot of things were unnecessary. I mean, the sausage rolls- No, they weren't unnecessary. Okay, good. Yeah, they were necessary. Good. But, mate, great fights. Tim Zhu won in the boxing, mate. Mm-hmm. And that's all we'll say about that. He's <laughs> a good man. Say his fucking name. Yeah. Say his oh, fucking like- name. Okay, Let's talk the, about it this. It is the toughest Let's thing. Let's talk about it this. It is the toughest thing to just have your whole heart behind an Australian person in a fight. And then what that dude, remember the, in Perth, that Perth dude, which he said the most Australian shit. He was like the most Australian clown in the world. Wait. That, so, firstly, we're talking about, so who was the Perth guy? It was this UFC dude when it was there that won. And then they were like, this is your big shot. What do you want to do? And he was like, oh, I'm probably just going to take some time off, go to Bali with the family. And you're like, God damn it. Dude. That was Jack Della Maddalena. Yeah. Yeah, that was the most Australian response ever. He's like, take the message to Bali. <laughs> yeah, like, no, also, the funniest thing is- Could have called someone out. <laughs> I love that from Jack because it just goes to show that no matter how much- And he wouldn't be making crazy money yet, but he'd, no. be, he'd, be, on a, he'd be on a clip- and it just goes to show that you, no matter how much money some cunt from Perth makes, they still just want to go to Bali. They just want to go to Bali. Like he, the, the, the holidays, this is what's fun about Perth is the holidays, if you're on 40K or 240, the holidays are the same. <laughs> that is true. And that's, that's why they get on over there. But, but Maybe Tim, Australia is an egalitarian society. Dude, they love there's, Bali in Perth. Send them all to Bali. Well, it's so close over there. Mm. A lot of the FIFO lads, they'll they'll like um, do a week in the mines and then just do a week in Bali. Just constantly different types of humidity underground yeah. than Bali. Here's the thing with people working in the mines, okay? <laughs> because it's a thing, you know, oh, you can make 300K a year. Love it. Mm. Love it. Love it. Has anyone not ever actually just pissed that money away? Well- Because I don't think I've met anyone- Who's actually come out with a cent to their name? It's always an eighty thousand dollar ute. Mm. A fucking you buy an apartment, you're fucked. Like, oh mate, there. I my, my mate came back from the mines, being like, they're all fucking idiots, and, and uh, they're all wasting their money. Not me. Anyway, this is my new tattoo that I got up there. <laughs> you should check out my dirt bike. He's buying me packs of cigarettes. Oh mate, they're fucking idiots. But then people also forget about the mines. You got to keep going down the tunnel. Yeah, well, the thing with the mines is, yeah, 300K, it's like, yeah, dude, for a reason. Mm. It's like the worst work ever. Dude, he FaceTimed me once after a 24-hour shift. He just had this- He'd been underground for 24 hours. Dude, I would not do well underground for 24 hours. (laughs) There was some hairy- Like, he'll tell you some hairy moments down there where you're like- shit's collapsing in and stuff like that he's just got soot all over his face and he's just carrying this like $80 case of beer on the phone just being like oh fucking hell just like getting in the shower being like that was the most fuck shit ever dude I would not do well and then it's yeah it's so horrific that they then he just goes and sleeps in like a dorm and then just starts like drinking yeah, well, they they um a lot of them will because they finish like seven to seven. Mm. So the the comedians would you ever do the mines as the comedy gigs? Oh, if it wasn't like too long, like I'm not going to commit to. It. Dude, sometimes they set up those tours and they're like five weeks. Yeah, in a minibus. Dude, just Benny, going- Benny Darso will head out to the mines. Oh, they just go from mine site to mine site, <laughs> and you just that's just your life for five weeks. 
Dude, I, I, I don't know what's going to... I'd prefer to just work a job here, I think. I, I think, think so, too. I think yeah. I'd prefer to just get on the job site. There's a lot of gigs, though, I definitely want to do once. I think mm. Mines is one of them. Mm, but two weeks, max. Oh, even less would be but best. But I don't think they let you do any less. Like, I think they really try and hook you in. Yeah. Well, you're in the middle of nowhere, so once you're out there, you might as yeah. well hop around. <laughs> but, like, make cruise ships, all right? Obviously, you don't want to end up on a cruise ship. Mm. Okay. But I think I would like to do one once, mm. just to see what it's like. Just well, everyone's got to go to Vanuatu once. I've never been to Fiji or Vanuatu or yeah, New maybe. Caledonia. I've never been to any of these places. I reckon once all those islands, you've seen them all. Maybe it's time to get off the cruises, but just do them for the islands. Yeah, and also, mate, here's the thing: if if you do anything once, it's not going to be a grind. Mm. It's when these blokes have been doing it for like ten years and they're like six months of the year on a boat. I could see, yeah. Actually, I don't even know if I'm going to let you on the on the boats, mate. <laughs> Frankly, I don't think you have the self-control. What do you mean? Mate, they're just big fucking... Mate, just you and unlimited beer on a boat. Oh, you're saying it would be some sort of a problematic situation where I, I would be drinking myself to death? I think it could get bad. There is a casino there as well. There's a few big kind of distractions from the main goals of life for yeah. Billy Darcy. Yeah, I don't I've never been on a cruise ship. Yeah, neither have I. So I wouldn't know. I'm not really a casino guy. I'd like betting on sports. Mm. If there was a sports bar I could definitely just sit there and, and gamble a bit. But um no, I think I don't know, I'd like to do it once. Cause sometimes mm. like I just want to see what it's like. Cause like sometimes you'll gig with a headliner at an RSL and you're like, hey how you going, mate? And he's like been on the ships for three months, mate. And his eyes are like rolling back in his head. And he's like, he's got like PTSD. And he's like, he's like, oh, the clean show. They were still getting on board, mate. They lost everyone's bags. They sent 17 people in a 5,000 seat theater. The microphone didn't work. I miss my wife. It's like, holy shit, dude. Also, um, when those boats weren't running as well, you started seeing some of the, some of those fells popping up all over the place, and you're like, "We got to get these cruises back out there, dude!" Oh my god! So there was <laughs> we got to get the cruises back out, dude. There. there was this one guy who did a weekend at this club with me, and he was like a cruise ship guy. He never he hadn't done a club in like ten years, mm. and he was uh, doing happy endings mm. and the club, and it it, it was honestly like. You just took a comedian from 1993 and just spat him out into 2021. It was crazy, dude. At, at King's Cross as well. Yeah. And like, it wasn't even like necessarily bombing, but it was like, it was just crazy. And I think once you go on the ships, like you just get, you're frozen mm. as far, like if you're not doing other stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's like such a specific crowd. They're all like 65 and racist. Yeah. Well, just from, I've seen comedians take photos of them. Like of the audience sometimes, and to me they look like every every crowd I've ever like horrifically bombed in front of. Yeah, they look a hundred percent like that. They look like every Cronulla mom that hates me. Oh, a hundred percent, dude. Yeah, that no, they're like just big white people. Just, just, just. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a fan. I'm not going back to Cronulla, dude. I honestly think they should just segment comedy into over forties and under forties. It would be helpful. Like, I was doing this gig on fucking Thursday night, and there's this, like, 26-year-old chick up there, not doing great, in front Mm. of, like, 70, 55-year-old white people. And it's like, 
This isn't. This is just a mismatch. Mm. She doesn't want to perform in front of you guys, and you don't want to see her. Mm. You know what I mean? Like this is just. I think I I annoy some of those old people in the way that like I remind them of the way that they're like children are failing them. (laughs) (laughs) How so? Like you just look like the fucking deadbeat son. Yeah, I just look like the especially when I'm in Cronulla. Um, I just feel like I look like their deadbeat son, and they're just like, oh. <laughs> Fuck this kid. Yeah, dude. Fuck this kid. I'm not going back to Cronulla until I own a house, just for my own self esteem. You got to pay Billy Darcy to go to Cronulla, I'll tell you that. <laughs> you Show me the yeah, money. Yeah, yeah. Dude, um, yeah, Cronulla's just, there's something about that town. Mate, it's, I don't, I have no read on the town, but I'll tell you what, some of the people that go to comedy shows there are very callous people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh fuck! Who knows? Who knows with these, with these goddamn Cronulla? Is Cronulla even part of Sydney? Would you say? Yeah, I think definitely. It just feels so fucking far when you're driving there, but it is Sydney. Sydney's just so big for some reason. Yeah, nah, fair enough. Um, mate, what about this? I've been doing, as you know, I'm blue collar now, mate. Yeah, you're on the tools. And I had some messages last week about your TAFE chat, mate. It was well received. Oh, nice. They said it's good to have some real blue collar banter, mm. sort of inferring that I'm not blue collar. Mm-hmm, yeah. But I was driving around the U today, so you nice. tell me, babe. Yeah, it is. What are you? What were you doing today? Hedging, mate. I was on the hedger. <sighs> Nothing more tradie-like. Mate, I'm a- <laughs> 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 uh, Taking care of all the granny's hedges. Yeah, mate. Here's the thing, mate. Rich people, they need their hedges sculpted. Mm. And I'm probably not the man to do it, but I'm getting better. Nice. Okay. And the thing with a hedge, mate, is once you take off too much, well, you've taken off too much. <laughs> you can't really fix it. So, anyway. But I will say this. Like, um, been basically just- Working at rich people's houses. Like yeah, yeah. $20 million house on Friday. It's basically a castle. The guy mm. had a private jetty out to his boat. It's like oh. a $5 million boat. Nice. But, man, I will say some of these um, these houses, right, you've got like just like the 90-year-old woman living there by herself. Mm. And, mate, this woman was so rude to me the other day. She was like... <laughs> What? Oh, it's just a funny concept. Oh, yeah. A really rich woman being mean to a professional podcaster. Yeah, if you could call her that. And uh, anyway, so she was like, she was like, don't put any of the green waste in my green bin. Mm. Like, take it with you. And I'm like, the green bin was empty. Mm. I'm like, that's what it's there for, babe. Mm. You know what I mean? But anyway, And then she was like, do this and do that. And you're a loser. Etc. You shouldn't have studied media. It was very specific. Some of the points. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, and then I'm thinking, wait, within like five minutes of this woman being mean to me, I just heard the top G in my head. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? Because I was thinking, I was thinking, mate, this chick is ninety. She's living in a five million dollar house. What, what what was she doing in nineteen sixty to become a multi millionaire? Probably upwards of fuck all. Yeah, possibly. And then all of a sudden, I'm just hearing the top G in my head going like, "Men have to work to be on a boat. The woman just gets to be on the boat." And I'm like, "Cobra Tate, you're making a lot of sense." Yeah, yeah. Well, you've got to just not nurture those feelings too much. Well, here's the thing: I had the self awareness to realize that yeah. the top G was in my head. Yeah, I and I've. When people are mean to me when I'm- Because I also definitely think I'm a lot better than I am. So, when they're real mean to me, I'm, oh, a- I'm just immediately like, 
fuck you. Mate, I take it so personally. I take it so personally. Mate, um, like a guy, this is, a guy said to me the other day, he was like, he was like, can you just make sure you like clean up all the leaves like on the driveway? Mm. And I, my first thought was, mate, clean up your own fucking leaves. <laughs> well, that's not his job. <laughs> but he shouldn't be saying that. Well, it was a pretty reasonable request. But yeah, but you probably were going to clean them up. I was going to clean them up. Obviously. But here's the thing, mate, is like, I, it's like what you were saying, like, mate, I have such a, uh, what's the word? I'm, like, I have an, I have an idea of who I think I am in my head. <laughs> okay. And I, I have a self-perception. Yeah. And then the real world will interact with you in a way that is at odds with that perception. <laughs> it's like, mate, when we're like renting, like, um, when, when, like, whenever you get mugged off by real estate, you get reminded, oh, that's right, I don't own this place. Mm. And that's like when these these old cunts are rude to me. I'm like, oh, that's right. I'm not a big deal. <laughs> yeah. This guy's like, can you clean up the leaves? And I'm like, fuck off. And then I'm like, oh, shit, that's my job. Dude, this lady, um, this kind of like middle-aged lady when I was garboing, I had to like run down, put these bins in the back, then was reversing the truck out. And like little tiny bits of paper had come out of the paper bin. Probably like, I don't know, that shit that they dropped down. Like tiny little just shreds of it. Nothing. And she- goes, oh, you got to come pick up the paper. Come pick up the paper. And I was like, all right, I'll pick up the paper. But um, I'm going to tell her, like, if you could speak to me nicely, like, if you could, like, just talk to me like I'm normal. And then I was like, can you just, yeah, that was good. But do you think you can um just speak to me nicer next time? And she's with oh, I don't fucking care. And I was like, oh, fuck oh. you. And I just started blowing up, reversing. I'm like, God damn it. Dude, see, that would piss you off all because- that lady hasn't personally hired you. Yeah. Like, you work for the URM. Yeah, yeah. Whereas I'm, this I'm guy- on the street. Here's the thing. This guy's actually employing me. Mm. Like, the, or whoever the client is. So, it's like, he's well within his rights to ask me to do something. Mm. But here's the thing, mate. In my mind, Billy Darcy's not cleaning up anyone's leaves. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Billy yeah. Darcy has someone else clean up his leaves. <laughs> <laughs> and then the world's like, no, no, no. This no, is- no. Yeah. Got to buy it. Yeah, yeah. Well, got to make money, mate. They're just mean. I just want them to be- I just want sometimes- And I- And this is what you were calling me out on the other night. But I was saying- I did say to this woman, and I did lie one time when this chick was giving me a hard time when I was a removalist. And I was like, I don't want to be doing this. I make minimum wage. I live in a garage. So, whatever you're pissed off about, about the cost, it's got nothing to do with me. So, fucking pay the bill or not. Just to stare down a woman and be like, I live in a garage. Stop being rude. Yeah. And to get in a truck, it felt incredible. Yeah. Yeah. See, that's good. Like, I, I'm not good at- Like, mate, as much as I have a an arrogance to me, there's no doubt. <laughs> I, I, I actually don't love confrontation. Well, I kind of am constantly hoping that confrontation is going to kick off. See, here's the thing, mate. I can't think- I honestly was trying to think of a story where I've done something similar. Mm. I don't think I've really given anyone a rocket in my life. Mm. Well, I just kind of took enough L's until I was like, I'm going to take all those things out on other people. Yeah. Which is very healthy. Dude, for whatever reason, anytime I try and give someone a rocket, it just backfires immediately. <laughs> well, you have told a lot of bouncers that they're cunts. So that's probably the closest. Is oh, being, is, yeah. Is being rude to bouncers as a young man. Yeah, but that's just, that's tomfoolery, mate. Yeah, I think some of them would see it differently. Yeah, for sure. Some of them would see it viciously rude. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, mate, I'm, mate I'm, I'm through. I no longer steal and I no longer am rude to bouncers. Yeah. So, I'm a fully fledged gentleman at this yeah. point. Thank God. 
Thank God, yeah. Well, the wheels were off for a bit there. Well, also, thank God you've lived in an era where there was kind of a bit of checking going on with the bouncer's behavior. Yeah, big time. And I took advantage of that. Yeah, 100%. I was aware of the era I was in. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I don't know. Mate, it felt like the old days, the bouncers were like cops. They couldn't do anything or something like. Oh, it did feel like that, didn't it? Yeah. I once was getting pushed down the bottom, pushed down the stain and I was just going, um, oh, I'm getting kicked out for being too intoxicated. I wonder how that happened at a pub. <laughs> I wonder how I got intoxicated. Just being such a tool to this guy. Yeah. Um, And then I, I, as I got kicked out, I was like, fuck, that was pretty, that was pretty lame. You're, you're kind of a bit of a dick. You're a lame guy. Oh, 100%. Um, and then I was like, fuck, I feel bad. And then I turned around and I saw this guy I went to school with the was getting kicked out of the same door I did by the bouncer. And he turned back in and just spat through the door. And I was like- Oh my God. Well, he's not going to remember me. Okay. Yeah. That's pretty average. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Doesn't that make you feel better about yourself? It does. It makes me feel way better. <laughs> you just feel- You're like, oh, I was I was kind of rude, but- um. Fuck, I'm I'm not doing that. That's crazy. Yeah, dude, to be honest, like with the, this sort of stuff, like a lot of the time, stuff that makes me feel good is not me doing something good. Mm. It's someone else doing something way worse. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know what I mean? And mm. even like um, as far as perspective in my own life, like for me to be like, wow, I've got it so good. You know, I've got a great family, great friends, etc. It It rarely comes from a place of true gratitude as far as I'll see someone else whose life is fucked <laughs> yeah, and I'll be yeah. like, whoa. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm not that person. And the closer the person is to you um, in like geographic distance, the more you feel it as well. Like I feel like growing up, they, people would be like, there's starving children in Africa and you do, can't really like yeah, think you, of that. It doesn't as well. go in. But then I worked at a guy with a guy at Pizza Hut who was clearly from the most ratchet family in the world that just ordered pizza hard every night. And I was like, whoa, yeah. this is crazy. Yeah. Like, this is full on. Just- and then you think, how good do I have it? Mm. But here's the thing, mate. That's not real gratitude. You're standing on the shoulders of this poor cunt. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I wish I could. Dude, I'm like I'm like that with everything. Like, anytime I'm thinking about like, oh, dude, you're never going to make it in stand-up. You've got to quit. I'll see someone who I think is horrible and they're, they're like a millionaire. <laughs> and that, that, that keeps me going. Yeah. But it's not, it's not like I have all this genuine self-belief in myself. I just see someone I think I'm better than and who's made it. And I'm like, yeah. I'm like well, that guy can make it. <laughs> yeah. Well, then I can. It's, it, instead of me being like, no, Bill, you're a good comedian. Keep going. Yeah, I'm yeah. like, well, if this fucking loser is on top, <laughs> well, then it must be my turn sooner or later. Right. We're going to get healthy. We can- <laughs> <laughs> this sort of behavior has got to stop. I think it, I, it kind of works. It kind of works, but I feel like there's a ceiling to it. <laughs> yeah, probably. Well, I think I've had that ceiling. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, I love spite so much. Oh, dude. I think the best thing for anyone's career is just to fucking listen to on the radio for 25 <laughs> minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Heaven forbid, check check who's commenting on his photos and be like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> why are all your fans 53-year-old women? <laughs> why is why are you wearing Jordans and all your fans being 55-year-old women? Oh, man. 
Australian comedians do want to be like everything at once. Like a lot of American comedians are fine just kind of being a comedian. Australian comedians are like, I also want to be hot. And I, and I also want to like be smart and know things. I also want to, I want to be a news anchor, a fitness guy, and I'm going to be the funniest guy in the room. Like you can just be, if you just worked on funny for a second. Yeah. Also, I'm going to act in a sitcom. <laughs> but dude, sorry, full circle on this, by the way, I just realized we were talking about Tim Zoo's post-fight speech. Oh, true. And so, I was going to say this. So, Tim Zhu had like, what can only be, firstly, great fight. Great fight. Fought really well. His opponent, Tony Harrison. I uh, don't know if that's his name, but he looked old in there. The he big did, fella. He did look washed. Yeah, he looked washed. <laughs> mm. He looked like an old man. He was still, he still looked good on the feet though. He was still there. Yeah, he was there, but it wasn't like. Mm. Anyway, that guy is a legend, Tim Zhu's opponent, because firstly, Tim Zhu, love him. Not a lot of charisma upstairs for the great man. No. And so this this charismatic as fuck black guy, I was following all the um, pre-fight media and stuff. This guy's selling the fuck out of this fight. Yeah. He's he's like, oh, t-, he was calling him Timmy. I love a disrespectful like <laughs> yeah. nickname. He's like, oh, Timmy. Y'all done fucked up now, Timmy. Like, <laughs> just like, and he was standing over him. It was so sick. And then he got absolutely fed. <laughs> and um, afterwards he was like, hey, the better man won. No excuses. Mm. Which I love. Promoted the fuck out of the fight. Took the loss like a G. He's clearly washed. Mm. Like, I'm sure if he was in his prime. Yeah, it was um, a cash grab. Yeah, and we'd love to see it. And uh, anyway, afterwards, Tim Zhu um, starts this sort of weird speech where he's like, also, the arena's half empty. People are leaving. Mm. And he's like, say my motherfucking name. So, what's my motherfucking name? Like it was very, um, and no one was saying it back. <laughs> how, uh, if you ever saw a, a nerd kind of at school, kind of like freak out on everyone and then kind of yell something, that's how I felt. Yeah, and it was like that thing where it's like everyone's talking shit about me, and it's like no one's talking shit about you, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Complimented by his drunk wife behind him screaming. <laughs> oh my god, that's right. What was her name? I have no um, idea. Oh, sorry, not her name, but what, mate. That was bad. And, you know, you never want to sort of torture blokes, missus. God bless her. She'd obviously been drinking away mm. while her her man literally fights for the world strap. Yeah. Pretty sick. I'd be uh, hammered too. Yeah. I can see you get it going to my head. Yeah. Don't get on the mic, babe. Yeah. Don't get on the mic. <laughs> so, you got Tim Zhu going, say my motherfucker. And it was kind of forced. It was so forced. You could it tell so he wasn't natural. Yeah. You say my motherfucking name. And then she goes like, Tim fucking Zhu. <laughs> <laughs> like maybe Australia isn't ready for the world stage. Yeah, yeah. It was but he's fighting for the undisputed strap next. Nice. Um so that'll be cool. But yeah, it was really really forced. Yeah. But I think um it must be hard for fighters and athletes and stuff where it's like sweet, okay, you're the best boxer in the world. Um we also need you to be the most charismatic man on the planet. Mm. And he's like, what? I get hit in the head for a living. Yeah. And also, I actually have been kind of coasting personality-wise because people have always respected me because I'm really good at this thing. Yeah, 100%. That's why, like, people who can actually have banter and be successful at something, they immediately become, like, the most famous, richest people Mm. on the planet. And they're rarely the son of famous people already like he is. Exactly. That doesn't help. It's like, mate, the perfect example is fucking what's-his-face, the honey badger, Nick Cummins. (laughs) This is how- this is how, like, no, not dumb, but- Low the bar. This is how low the bar is in rugby union for charisma. <laughs> um, that Nick Cummins made up a couple of words 
and I threw in a bit of Australian slang. And the bar is so low for charisma in that sport that he went on to retire from the sport because of all the endorsements he got. Mm. He was the bachelor for a season. He now gets paid to go around the world full-time by GoPro. <laughs> Really? To endlessly travel for, for hundreds of thousands of dollars. And he's just an influencer now. So oh, just off the back of three interviews. I was um, up camping up the coast once and then just saw a Range Rover rock up full of Brazilians and then the honey badger step out and start throwing the ball. Dude, he's the man. I was like, fucking oath boys. He used to go down to Warfield all the time. He's a great guy. Yeah, he's a chill dude. Yeah. And here's the thing, mate, is- And this is why I've got a bit of a chip on my shoulder with the rugby league boys- because some of them were just absolute cunts in Manly back in the day. <laughs> yeah, dude, yeah, I know. Dude, when Jamal Idris was on a break from the Panthers for mental health grounds, he was on caps every weekend in Manly. <laughs> One time, give in mind, I'm like 21, 22, frail, thin. Mm. But, uh, dude, one time he bumped into me, right? He's like 120 kilos. Mm. He bumped into me and then goes, what the fuck? Did you just bump into me? <laughs> and they're like, stood over me. And I'm like- and it's like, mate, can you just chill out? Mm. You know what I mean? It's also like, mate, come on. Give me a break. You know who's going to win this fight. Yeah. There's nothing more pathetic than a man that's so clearly going to fuck someone up. Being like, what are you looking at? And you're like, come on, bro. Yeah. And it's We're like- We're not in the same division. It's like, do you honestly think I purposely bumped into you, <laughs> Jamal Idris? <laughs> no, Billy's trying to start shit with NRL players. Dude, oh my God. Like, even me, maybe the dumbest 22-year-old to ever live. One of the dumbest. Even I would not do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway. Mate, you're not trying to get hurt. I'm not trying to get hurt. <laughs> Here's the thing, man. I've only ever been in one fight. I was punched in the face four times. And I haven't been, I haven't been in another one. I'm not yeah. that dumb. Yeah, exactly. But anyway. Oh, fucking- It is hard with the NRL. You um, you really don't want to peek behind the curtains too much with it, really anything. No, no, no. But, you know, live and let live, mate. I'm, yeah. I'm great. I'm, I love seeing the boys out there in the mm. mix. But there was a few of them over the years. It was a real piece of shit one night. <laughs> I met him when I was heaps young. He was made with my cousin. He was at my cousin's wake. So, I was like, my cousin's fucking- he's, Whatever. And he just keeps- I'm like young and he's- by me at this wake and he's holding this bottle of um, Jack Daniels and he's going to me who's in primary school and he goes I'm going to finish this all for him for him <laughs> and my dad had to pull me aside and was like hey he's just, like I know he plays rugby league but like he's a fucking loser like he's like he's like <laughs> he's an idiot do not whatever he says is the wrong thing <laughs> and I was like oh okay <laughs> Jesus Christ <laughs> fucking dumb gun yeah <laughs> <laughs> that checks out with my story, which I, <laughs> which I will not tell. Um, but yeah, mate. All right, well, that's probably enough podcasting for today. Out of the steam room. Out of the steam room. It's not too hot today. Mate, Melbourne Comedy Festival is in two weeks. Do you want to just rev up, um, give that a bit of a spruik for us, mate? Oh, yeah. You got to get down. You, you got to get down. You got to get down. Everyone's getting down. You got to get down. There was just fucking Melbourne. Turn up. The people of the South unite. Yeah. If I don't see- You're coming uh, down for a weekend, a party? Yeah, yeah. I'm coming down for a weekend. I think there'll be some big hitters in the audience as well. Some some Melbourne alumni. Oh, there'll be some celebs in the audience. Some, some, some Nick Cave, perhaps. I mean, potentially. He's, he's potentially a big fan of Billy Darcy's work. I mean, it's I, not off the table. It's not off the table. <laughs> Nick Cave is possibly a big fan of Billy's work. Um, he's and a if you himself. want to confirm that for yourself- 
come on down and check to see if he's maybe you can ask him some questions. A hundred percent. Um. Yeah. Just fucking. We're gonna we're gonna do Melbourne. We're gonna do Melbourne. We're gonna teach Melbourne a lesson. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to edit that out. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Fuck it. Well, you can get those tickets via the link of my Instagram bio for my stand-up tour. And thanking you, Rowan Arneal, for another yeah. great episode. Oh, Did how, you think it was good? How do we feel about it? I thought it was quite low energy, but it was good. Okay, good. Yeah, yeah. I liked last week's. You say that every week. <laughs> Maybe I'll like this week's next week. Maybe you will. Maybe I will. All right. All right. Let's get out of here.